electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber has the morning off. Futures are lower as investors take stock at December CPI. A bit hot on headline, although the first three-handle on annual core... In almost three years, 10-year does touch 405. Our roadmap begins with inflation picking up in December, what that means for the Fed and rate policy ahead. Bitcoin rallying almost 8% this week, best week since early December as those ETFs began trading today. And Hertz trimming its EV fleet, citing some weak demand, high damage costs. Stephen Schur is going to join us exclusively in just a few minutes. Let's begin with market reaction to CPI, Jim. As we said, a little hot at three-tenths, half, more than half a shelter. Right, and I'm not sure, remember, shelter's rent. It's not really clear to me since we know a huge number of rentals are coming on the market because you couldn't build during COVID. The ones that you started during COVID are historically right about now. So that may be the peak, uh, and that's very, very positive. I know that we can all focus on used cars not being uh, as, as lower but we've got Steve Short from, uh, from Hertz. <laughs> yes. Who knows about the price of used cars better than the CEO yes, of Hertz? Yes. Airfare up one month on month. That yeah. was a bit of a surprise, although down nine year on year. 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 I, look, I think the travel is, is still allowing airlines to charge more. Uh, I also think that one of the reasons why the Justice Department tries to block these mergers is because I'm not saying there's collusion, but there's a lot of companies that seem to have the same prices on routes. Mm. So going into this print then, a lot of the dust commentary this morning was MAG-7s back at all-time highs, or stones throw from indices right. hitting all-time highs, that it would take a lot for this to really derail the Fed pivot thread. Right. Although, does it affect March odds? What well, do you think? I, I think that March is still a push. Uh, I know people want very much to game this. I think what they should be gaming is the fact that every firm has come out, whether it be because of the uh, J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, or CES, was something positive to say about NVIDIA today, about Microsoft. By the way, Netflix, we have something positive yep. about. Uh, it's very difficult to derail the positive analyst comments, which are uniformly saying that the numbers can be better than expected. Uh, I think it was B of A note today said the stuff, that's mo- the stuff that, quote, everyone owns is what's moving. Well, what, what's kind of amazing, and I'm glad you mentioned that, is because typically when everyone owns something, there could be a ka-ching, ka-ching. It hasn't happened. And by the way, I know we're going to get to Bitcoin, but if you remember gold before they had the gold ETF, it ran up in anticipation, and then that was the peak. Uh, this is a, a run-up in anticipation, and maybe the people who bought Bitcoin are actually going to make money? Yeah, I, we're going to get to Bitcoin in a second. I did notice last night you said maybe this isn't a sell on the news. I, Bitcoin is a strange animal. I remember trying to buy Bitcoin when I had uh, from my J.P. Morgan account, and I got to speak to the highest people, and they said, you know, why don't you just take your money and put it in Fidelity? It's very rare that you ever hear a bank saying, you know, please take your money out of here. Uh, I, I want to know how the big guns are going to deal with this. Yeah, we're going to get to that in one second. Just to wrap up, though, the, the probably the most important print of the week, of course, and that is CPI. You don't seem terribly thrown by it, although 
Got this uh, oil tanker hijacked in uh, off the coast of Oman. Oh, oil up, you know, oil seemed to have found a, a floor at 70. The reason I'm not, I, I would say I'm not that phased by it is because I'm not in the camp that says they have to do anything in March. You, Look, never, I, I, you never were there. No, because Jay Powell said over and over again, the biggest policy making could do is flip-flop, is to cut and then realize they're not done. Since Jay has said that, I mean, there are a lot of people who want to speculate that Jay, Jay I'm calling him Jay. <laughs> I, know, I know Jay Powell for 30 years. No, suddenly he's Chairman Powell. I mean, we always have to do that. I mean, like Gary Cohn's a friend of mine. Oh, he's the chief economic advisor. But let's just say this. Let's just say that Powell has said, look, we're data dependent, but we're not going to move too fast. And if he's data dependent, then you don't move too fast because we did not see the decline that a lot of people would like. You know, you'd like to look through this and be able to say what I said about rent, but people don't. They just look at a headline number and they say, well, you know what? It's a little hotter. Uh, interest rates went up a tad. I think that what KB Holmes says is some way more important, although remember, homes are not in CPI. That was taken out in the early 80s because people wanted to make the CPI look a little cooler. <laughs> but uh, KB Holmes was saying, look, home prices dipped, uh, but then they're going to come back. And the KB Holmes was very convoluted because they're now we're talking about like 28 days of selling, which were very strong. Uh, and there are people who find fault with KB Homes after they have one of the biggest blowouts I've yeah. seen. Uh, KB there, uh, selling prices were lower, got a downgrade over at Seaports, yeah. a couple of things working on, on housing today after a pretty good couple of days. Oh, well, they bought, remember, they bought back a huge amount. One of the things that, I mean, I remember when home builders were always in trouble after it's been good. This is another one of these counterintuitive moments. But... Uh, we saw that Toll Brothers bought back a gigantic amount of stock, and then we saw the NAR boost Lenar. the dividend and, and announce a $5 billion buyback. And maybe KB Homes isn't aggressive enough, but they bought back 11% of the company. I mean, you know, those who find fault with KB Homes are the people who kept you out of this amazing group the whole way. We'll keep our eye on the, the fallout from CPI and the tenure at 406. Let's get to Bitcoin. As Jim said, the SEC is making it official. Regulator approves uh, spot Bitcoin ETFs, including some which are slated to begin trading today. The landmark decision gives investors better access to the largest cryptocurrency. Applications were approved for several issuers, including BlackRock, Fidelity, Grayscale was just on Squawk. But the chair of the SEC, Gary Gensler, did say in a statement that the decision is neither an approval nor an endorsement of Bitcoin itself. Look, I, I think that, that Gary, another guy I knew it. I think you're on, the chairman, you're on the first name basis with everyone. Chairman Gensler, um, I think, wanted everything to have a little better decorum. I don't think he liked the way it was just a train coming in and it couldn't be stopped. But there's just such broad support for it that even though he felt that there were a, the, a particular decision which said that these are securities, uh, he was over at uh, he was overridden by events. Uh, even the CFTC in the end kind of was not against this. There was a belief that this would be done offshore if it was not done here. Uh, so why not have it here? It could probably be better regulated. In the end, I'm saying it's a win because uh, the people want it. I mean, I've got you know, access to more retail investors than most people because I speak to them every day. Yep. Everyone wanted this because people didn't want to be in a situation where they had their money in some, uh, some bank that just disappeared overnight. So uh, the, here's a 22-month high on, on the on the coin itself. Yeah. It needs to be held, right? Yes. So Kathy Woods on Squawk a few moments ago saying her base case for 2030 is 600K. 
Right. And a bull case is one and a half million dollars. Well, I mean, look, I wish I could get away with saying that stuff. I was once investigated on air because I said that Google was too low at 88. And they called me in and said, what are you kidding? Of course, they did a 10 for one split, so it was really eight. I, it was a pretty good call by me. So I think you can always say that people are promotional. Uh, but I would, I would say this. Uh, there, there is an odd love affair uh, with something that flew in the face of what Jamie Dimon said, who's the most respected banker in America. And what the late Charlie Munger said. So uh, the opponents of this, I think, were now being viewed as fuddy-duddies. And you don't want to be that. You want to be relevant. And the customers wanted these. And the customer is right, Jamie Dimon. I mean, one of the moments in my, my discussion with J.P. Morgan was, like, I've been with you guys for 30 years. The customer's right. And they were like... Uh, well, then take your business elsewhere. That, that did not, you know, the customers so right go to Fidelity. Yes. So okay. you, your point is the market has is speaking. Right. I mean, you want to override events? Fine. You want to be a Luddite? You want to go, you want to go smash the loom? Be my guest. I say, listen, let's accept the loom. Are you going to tell subscribers uh, and your retail followers to make this a piece? Do we, have, we do have an annual meeting coming up. And I'm going to tell people if they want to, here's the best way. And I'm not going to certainly not fight it. I'm not going to do what Gensler said. I endorse the idea that there's this because those who had uh, their money in uh, the, the National Bank Bank of Sam Bankman Freed are kind of like they Jesse James robbed them. There's no Jesse James when it comes to the ETFs. Yes. Uh, we mentioned Kathy Wood on Squawk uh, talking about some very long term uh, price targets uh, for ARC, at least. Here's what she said. We believe that Bitcoin is a public good. It is, what, we, what we have here, we believe, is a financial superhighway. It is the layer of the Internet that developers did not build in in the early 90s because no one ever foresaw commerce or financial services. A public good. And so we're not looking to maximize profits here. Well, that's the idea of currency in the HOV lane. Let me tell you what I think the SEC really didn't like. We have a, if you look, we have all these other coins. And they were convinced that a lot of these coins are just phony and based on nothing. But now it's just game one for everything. Uh, you notice that Robinhood is kind of, it has become the bank of choice for a lot of the cryptos, of which the SEC would tell you are based on nothing. Uh, and I, I, I think people are fine with Bitcoin. I think they're fine with Ethereum. But when you start going down the chain to the Belichick coin that will probably be issued at noon today, I, I just say, listen, let's be a little more circumspect. Right. Are you are you prepared for or um, willing to watch the market get enthusiastic about at least this this bucket? It matters tremendously. Uh, I think there are very few sellers of anything right now. It's almost as if everyone sold NVIDIA and they've already sold Microsoft. And the institutions, I think now maybe they have to catch up and own this because if you're J.P. Morgan, you're not telling them, they're not telling people to go to Fidelity anymore. I, look, I want to see what Larry Fink has to say about it tomorrow from, yes. from BlackRock because yes. Larry is of the people. I mean, Larry is not going to stand in the way. He want, customer's right, by the way, with BlackRock. So, it, novel in our industry. The customer's right. And Larry Fink has pioneered that. I know that sounds almost facetious, but a lot of the institutions would not. This is a third rail that is no longer a third rail. Mm. 
Uh, we're going to hear from them tomorrow. Uh, that's going to yeah, be a key important. question, at least on the BlackRock side. When we come back, big news in EVs. Hertz uh, disclosing plans to sell about a third of its global EV fleet. We're going to talk with Stephen Scher right here at Post 9. Take a look at the pre-market. So much more to get to, including Boeing. Some more news regarding tech layoffs. Uh, Netflix, as Jim mentioned, Oxy, and a lot more. Futures trying to recover a bit from the worst of the session. Back in a minute. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. We've got some pretty big news from the major rental car company that all of us know, Hertz. They're announcing this morning it will cut one-third of its electric vehicle fleet over the year. CEO Steve Schertz joins us right now to discuss the company's decision. Steve, well, first of all, welcome. Just welcome the street. Thank you, Jim. Good to be here. Thank well, you. Good to see you. All right, Steve. I know you as one thing and one thing only. The man who just knows to tell the truth and nothing but the truth about financials from the days when you were at Goldman. This seems like a very positive for Hertz, for numbers, but definitely an asterisk for the adoption of EVs in this country. Well, I think, look, we, we took a bold move and are making a, a strategic adjustment to our fleet to take 20,000 electric vehicles out of the fleet. Uh, it's really to respond to the reality, which is we're trying to bring supply in line with demand, and we're addressing a cost issue that happens to be related to the EVs in the context of damage and damage costs. That's what it is. But in the end, this is about the numbers. It's about the financial right. performance and the and operational depreciation. and depreciation, but equally the operational integrity of the business. And so we'll put EBITDA on in the next two years that will equal what the charge was and we'll increase cash flow by about 250 to 300 million dollars. So this is about it's not about the broader issue of EVs for the company. It's about financial performance and operational integrity. Uh, and adjusting ourselves in the way in which I think the business needs to be run. Now, I think that one of the things that you were spot on was that, look, Tesla's the largest in the country, and you wanted your fleet to reflect Tesla. At the same time, unlike what Kathy Wood said earlier, uh, you were explaining that the, there is depreciation. These do not go up in value after you buy them. No, I mean, look, the reality here is that... Um, we're experiencing the consequence of a material price decline uh, in, uh, in Tesla's, but in EVs more generally. So at the beginning of this year, when Tesla took down the price of their cars, residual price falls, depreciation goes up. That's obviously a cost to the business. We need to face that reality. Uh, uh, Tesla did what they did for reasons that are presumably good for their company. But we just need to adjust to the reality of what the cost input is of this car. And so we've made this move to really put ourselves back you know, on track. It's interesting to note, Jim, that demand for our product is real and is sustaining. Uh, you know, what we put in our AK 
as an indication of what happened in the fourth quarter. Demand was there. Revenue was in line with what expectations were on a seasonal basis. The issue I'm addressing is one of our cost base and the influence that EVs have had on that cost. And there are certain circumstances like price decline, like residual decline and depreciation that's out of our control, but you need to react to it, and we're reacting so to it. So that's interesting. That's different from demand or behavioral friction when someone comes to the counter. Because originally the, the case, the thinking was, this will be a nice way to, for people to experiment. Did that happen or it, did it, it not? It, it did it happen, did. and it is happening. It's just not happening at a level of demand that justifies us maintaining a fleet of this size at this moment in time. You know, Carl, the one thing I would say is that at some point, the reality of, of EVs and Teslas being the best-selling car will at some point render them the best rental car. It's not yet. So we may have been ahead of ourselves in the context of how quickly that will happen, but that will happen. And I think, you know, in the end, we're in the business of giving consumers choice. We're including in that choice electric vehicles. And there is a significant component of our customer set that are still paying us a premium for these. It's just not, it's not at the level of demand that we anticipated. And I think a smart company is one that's agile, makes an adjustment, takes away the distraction, financial and operational, and moves on. I do think, apropos of what Carl's saying, there must be something wrong with EVs in the sense that Maybe they're hard to repair. Maybe people don't necessarily know how to drive. Maybe there are accidents because people, or they wreck the cars because they don't know how to do it. Well, look, we do two things when we rent you a car. A, we make sure you can pay for it, and B, we presume you can drive it. And we ask for your license on the latter. The reality on EVs is that there are millions of Americans, in fact, millions of consumers around the world who are knowledgeable, experienced in EVs, and they ride them well. There are those that experiment and their knowledge of how to drive this car, which is a little different than a combustion engine car, may be part of the issue. I would point out that um, our joint venture and the demand we have with Uber is proving very successful and has grown, as I talked about on our third quarter call, by as much as 50%. And they are taking up even part EV and ICE vehicle. And when we talk about how much time this strategy will take to play out. Bear in mind, a lot of cities in this country are going to require rideshare companies like Uber, like Lyft, right. to be all electric by 2030. So we may be a little early, but the early growth with them is working well, and we will have ample supply to continue to feed that business. There is some misinterpretation, uh, maybe because people are, are, are not as good about what depreciation means as you are. This, to me, is something, when I remember that you had a problem with this last quarter, you're dealing with a court, the problem. Cash flow is going to go up, not down. That's right. This is going to influence the stock positively, not negatively. Well, I would hope so. But as you and I have talked about many times, it's not for, for me to predict where the, where the stock is going to go. What I want to do is produce financial results for our shareholders that are worthy of a higher valuation than where the company is. And I think addressing the cost element in the context of a healthy demand layer is what we're doing. It's what this uh, adjustment in fleet is about. Uh, and I think it will prove to be a net positive for the company as we go forward. Can I get you just a little more broadly? We just got CPI. We were talking about airfares. Sure. Um, how is de overall demand holding up? How is, it, is corporate continuing its comeback or not? You know, we continue to see demand rather strong. We saw it through the holiday. We're seeing it in the opening of January. Um, and it's across the board. It's, it's in leisure. 
It remains in corporate. Don't forget, we have a big inbound business. So this is where Europeans, Asians, South Americans travel to the U.S. and rent from us. Uh, the airlines are, are continuing to so show strong, particularly those with international routes. And again, we're growing up different business lines in the context of rideshare, which will continue to grow you know, as we, as we feed that business. I have to believe, Stephen, that one of the things people don't get about business is if you're working from home and you want to go see a, a client, the best way to do it is to rent a car. We don't want a situation where uh, you don't ever go see clients again just because you're working from home. No, I mean, look, the reality of the business world is one in which there's no substitute for personal interaction. And we're seeing that gradually come back in the context of business travel. Bear in mind, on the rental car side, you know, they're, they're, we are the tail on this, meaning the decision to go on a business trip or take your family on a vacation is not determined on whether the rental car is $5 higher or lower. It's determined largely on the airfare and the hotel. And so, you know, we've seen a relatively stable price environment, a little softer relative to where it was in COVID, but, but sustainable and well above pre-COVID levels. And there's no particular incentive to see price soften across the industry because it doesn't drive demand to the industry writ large. And market share has been relatively stable among the majors in rental car you know, for the last year or more. Well, look, I want to thank you for coming in and telling it straight. Uh, this was a bold move to try to have the fleet be like mirror to the country. At the same time, as you said, it, not everyone's ready and they still like internal combustion. That's engines. true. But, you know, in as much as our fleet has been 10 percent EV, it's 90 percent combustion engine cars. So well, there we go. Stephen Sherp, great. CEO Jim, of Hertz, $9. And it is my job to, to look at stocks. I wanted you to do this. I didn't want you, you to have a problem with depreciation. Terrific. Good to see you. Steve. Good to see you, gents. When we come back, look at Kramer's Mad Dash. Countdown to the opening bell. Take another look at the pre-market here. Get to some uh, sell side calls this morning on MasterCard, Blackstone, Chewy, Lyft, American, when we return. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Let's get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell. Of course, sometimes a, a piece of research catches your eye and it just says, let's focus on this. Beast and Barclays, the dog days are over, saying that it is time to buy Chewy. That's hold to buy in part because it looks like they're finally getting back on track and growth, but also because the stock's just gotten too cheap, even though Amazon's been gaining shares. And remember, this stock was at 118 in uh, at the end of 21 when the humanization of pet's thesis was at its highest. I like the call. I had management on, and they're doing a lot more things. They're doing insurance, and they also have ads. And ads, it's just just like Netflix, people don't mind to see ads, but it, and it certainly boosts the valuation. So I like this call, Chewy. There's an interesting call this morning out of City about the low-end consumer, watching delinquencies, excess savings having eroded quite a bit. Is Chewy highly exposed to? Well, I think, yes, from the extent that Amazon's a trade down from Chewy. It means Amazon's more mass. Chewy has a lot of the more expensive things involving a pet. If the company stock hadn't dropped to this level, I would be a little more, uh, let's say, circumspect. But at this level, Chewy's good. 
That's a good one. Uh, there's a bunch of calls. We'll get to as many as we can as we get the opening bell here. Let's get uh, the bell of the CNBC real-time exchange at the big boy. Off-sport thriller, Transocean, 30th anniversary at the NASDAQ. It is BlackRock celebrating the first day of trading for the Bitcoin ETF. And we'll talk with their CIO in the next hour ahead of earnings tomorrow, Jim. Look, I think that, uh, I, as like many people, I've got exposure to BlackRock. And uh, BlackRock, I got, I wanted them because they're, uh, one day I think they'll make it so that individuals can be more aligned with what we think are the causes. Right now it's institution. But I feel good. If Larry Fink thinks it's okay, he knows more about what's an asset than even Gary Gensler. And so I'm good with it if he's good with that. Uh, we're going to be all over the financials for the next 24 hours. City's a story today because of some of the warnings about charges, yeah. currency exposure in Argentina, Russia. I'm so glad you brought that up because there's been this great disparity between the tangible book value of City, 80. <laughs> I loved I your tweet this morning. Well, what is it? Because if you look at, say, J.P. Morgan, J.P. Morgan sells it a lot, a big premium, uh, not so much Bank of America, not so much Wells Fargo. And then you've got City, which is this oddity. What are they really worth? I mean, if you were close it and return all the money. This is the type of thing that I worry about. I mean, I, I'm okay with Procter & Gamble saying they have exposure to Argentina. Good. I mean, they were probably in there trying to sell Tide. I don't want uh, my bank having exposure to uh, to countries where that are unstable. You know, if they could benefit, they should be right now doing something with Mexico because the, the peso's been up lately. Yep. But no, this is the kind of thing I'm worried about. Like, what does City really have that's going wrong? And I thought they got out of a lot of these markets. But look, they'll defend themselves well, but tell me how that I see a disparity of book, and I hope they don't mind this, but only CalFed and GlenFed in the 80s ever had this kind of disparity, and we don't bank at those anymore because they no longer exist. I'm not saying that City no longer exists. I'm saying we need an explanation, and if they have one, I'm welcome to it, but if they don't, I'm staying away. Uh, that's, uh, that's interesting. It's not every day, Jim, that we are the first to put on a live intraday chart. In this case, it's IBIT, iShares Bitcoin Trust registered. Uh, we'll see. Well, I guess we'll watch volumes to start, right? And yeah. Price action. I happened to bump into the CMO of, of Coinbase on, on my airplane, San Francisco. And she said, listen, you know, thank you for all the coverage. And I would say that the Coinbase situation was one that where it was down three the moment this announced. Was and I think it's important to point out that there is a love for Coinbase. And the stock went from being down three to being, I, guess, I don't know, what is it, up six right now? And a lot of that is there is a level of enthusiasm that I think was capped by the SEC. Uh, and now, I mean, the SEC happened to be stuck with this decision which said that they are uh, that it's not a, a classic, you know, that should be regulated as a classic security. And Coinbase being up is, again, the opposite of what a lot of the pros would have said, which was this was when you should be selling it. And maybe people are going to hit it like heat-seeking missiles like 155. I don't see it yet. Right. Do you think, uh, actually, Robinhood's only up half a percent. There had been some cautionary uh, catalyst notes out of City on Hood, for example. Look, Hood's core base of operations is, is options. And we know that, uh, what, 80% of options expire worthless. So I don't want that to be my core business. Uh, I think that, that Robinhood stock ran up in part because of this. But in the end, when you see the report, it's not going to be as related to Coinbase as people think. It's related to whether you know, some of the programs they have for retirement are interesting, but it's related to volume. 
And we don't have, if the individual is back and 57% of trading is the individual, you would think there's, that their stock would be met with an equal amount of people who are now trading, and it's not. Not equities. Options, yes. That's an unstable business. Apple continues to try to climb here, Jim. A lot of discussion about the Vision Pro this morning being their first new category in almost 10 years. I am still a believer that someone's going to find a way to subsidize it. Right now, it's too expensive. Someone's going to want to open accounts with it, but maybe with a buy now, pay later. When I ran that through Apple, they were, uh, let's just say they were saying, well, that's a novel idea, and saying basically that we don't know anything about that. But I, I, I would point out that this is, there's Goldman made it a very positive note this morning. Uh, top pick into earnings. Yes, after four negative pieces of research. Oh, remember the Rod Hall days? Oh, my. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you kind of you, know, you get left behind sometimes. But one thing I, is that's important is the stock was up yesterday, even we, though we had a downgrade from Redburn. It reversed during day. I'm not saying anyone had this call, but there is a sense that maybe this is an opportunity, Apple. My worry, Carl, is, is that, uh, oh, by the way, we saw PCs finally bottoming out. Is China, because anything related to China, when I was at the, at the, when I was at the healthcare conference, China just riddles the earnings of everybody because nothing's what people thought it was going be in China. So I don't want a major uh, problem with China. Last quarter was not a major problem in the major cities, but if you're related to China, you have to take a hit. Right. It was a pretty uh, classic bounce off the 200-day here. Wasn't that Apple, amazing? Almost to, the, almost to the penny. By the way, uh, there are, the charts got better with this reversal for the MAG-7, uh, particularly Meta, which is, uh, there are people who are saying, well, Meta, they're going to throw in the towel. On, uh, on Meta, that platform, I think those people should go, hey, Meta, and put the, Ray, put the Ray-Bans on. I know they look odd. I'm going to be going to Kansas City. When it's minus 20, the Ray-Bans don't play a role. Uh, <laughs> but, but right now, they're as cool as anything I've ever seen. Um, speaking of uh, tech, a lot of think pieces today about the echo boom of layoffs at right. Unity. Amazon, Google today in hardware, CRM memo saying we're going to freeze some hiring. Well, there was a very positive note on CRM. Yes. I mean, now, it's so funny because when you see the notes, uh, I think I it's know. Baird. Baird goes to outperform. I don't know why people feel like, oh, yeah, Mark Benioff, he suddenly cares about profitability. Mark Benioff has cared passionately about profitability since 2008. So uh, they want to realize that when, you know, when Elliot came in there, they was, he was saying, tell me how to make more money. I, when I caught up with Mark recently, just by just by tax, this is not a position. When I went to the Time Person of the Year, it was something he said. Look, I really am so glad we're making money. Who cares about being a Dow stock? I think people have to start realizing that Benioff wants to make you money. Now, the Amazon call is very interesting because it's not about demand. They have figured out how to do TV, how to do uh, sports. So now they're able to. Do something that I think real good businesses do, which say, hey, we figured it out. Uh, we know how to do it. So let's lay up people off who are not uh, core. And um, that's what they did. And yeah. Amazon has been an amazing stock. Check out that. Two uh, percent oh, gain today. Yeah. Um, uh, briefly, we'll talk some Belichick in a bit. But NFL regular season earnings. Uh, regular season game ratings up seven year on year. Yeah, and I think you know, I work for for Com- we work for Comcast, but obviously this is a, a wildcard weekend, uh, and anyone who has exposure to the NFL has made a lot of money. We saw a positive note. We you know, a lot of notes about Disney, 
And, and what I'm getting, you know, Martha Nason says you know, Disney is Disney Plus is the key. But I've got to tell you, if I, I think that sports is very hot. I think so, the Wells note today, sports in yes. fuego, I think is yes. how they put and it. So I'm not willing to say that Bob Iger, like, he was a Green Bay fan, a long shot when you're playing in Dallas, uh, is necessarily sitting there and saying, wow, are we doing pa- badly? I think the opposite. But that stock is doing that. That's one of the worst stocks I've ever seen. Disney? Holy cow. I mean, if you look at, well, this is one of the reasons why, why is Nelson Peltz so upset? Someone asked me, why is Nelson Peltz so upset? And I said, well, how about because the stock does nothing but go down? I mean, there are some external factors. I know Goldman trimmed their domestic box office yes. estimate for the year in part because of the production strike issues. Right. But also, I think that there's a sense that Disney used to make what so-called wholesome uh, movies. Now, those of us who are in the, like, I, I like the rainbow. I mean, it's more, more of a rainbow approach now. Yep. But there also is a recognition that there are places that don't want uh, what so-called woke movies are. Yes. I'm not in the generation that's woke now. Yeah. Even DeSantis last night at that, uh, that oh. debate I mean, we talked yes. about uh, a so-called uh, woke Disney. Uh, Jim, Netflix, I think this is the first peak above 500 in, is it ever? I don't know. I'm looking back here now. 485 uh, in July. But well, above 500 this morning. Look, they, they have a huge number of people in the ad tier, more than we thought. We were talking about, what, 23 million? Now, one of the things I would tell you about the ad tier is that if, if you like Netflix, remember, Amazon is going to make you pay more to not see ads. That's another reason why raising numbers Amazon right here, right now, because I think we'll pay a little bit more not to see their ads. And that was a very smart way to keep Prime good and then make it great for those of us who don't want to see ads during uh, many of the things that we now watch on Amazon. Uh, Jim, oil uh, flirting with 73. Uh, We did have this oil tanker uh, off the coast of Amman. Iran uh, says now it was uh, seized, uh, that it was uh, illegitimate uh, transfer of oil. A lot of discussion about what it does to core goods, CPI, Maersk, Tesco, all of them talking about it today. Look, it's real, but I would also point out that Rusty Brazil from RBN Energy is talking about how the very large uh, cruise ships that that move oil are nonstop from the Permian. We can make it up. I mean, that's what people don't realize. We actually have enough oil to make up whatever's lost there. It's just that where it's being shipped, the cost of a tanker, Going around uh, Africa is great. Right. Uh, Elsewhere, uh, Chesapeake Southwestern we haven't talked about. Right. Uh, Or Oxy Berkshire share going to 34. How about that? Well, the natural gas, let's talk about that. Some would say that it's two drunken sailors getting together. (laughs) I would never say that. That's just what the naysayers. I'm not there in that camp. They say two drunken sailors. I say, hey, I'm not there. But these are natural gas has been historically a very tough uh, very tough game. The Widowmaker. Like, yeah, the Widowmaker. I have the light like Kotaro, which has the ability to switch from oil to natural gas. But I congratulate these two companies for getting through this period. Southwest Act, by the way, always had a decent balance sheet, not so Chesapeake. Uh, and the late Aubrey McClendon put together Chesapeake, yes. and he was a friend. And I think that that was a company that was kind of a gunslinger company. I remember going to Utica in Ohio with Aubrey. He said, you're going to see the greatest spud ever. And it turned out I saw nothing because there was no oil. It was natural gas. It was like kind of a reverse magic trick. But 
Aubrey took it like a man, yeah. as a person. As um, I'll tell you what, the underlying commodities had a crazy week, getting to 340, I think. We the, think we got close to three again this morning. Well, look, I'm going to this Kansas City game, and people tell me it's going to be uh, minus 20. I, they're probably going to burn a lot of natural gas if it's minus 20. What is this minus 20? What is it, like the base camp four? I mean, you know, really? <laughs> so, they're, so they're going to have the cold and the noise to, but, to handle. And the peacock. Yes. What happens to a peacock at minus 20? <laughs> <laughs> Frozen um, in an unnatural position over there. Um, really quick, on, just on Belichick, we're going to, the presser's at noon, by the way, with wow. uh, Kraft and Belichick, we think. Oh, uh, Pete Carroll last night. Uh, Rabel, uh, we mentioned earlier in the week, Ron Rivera. What a tough business. Rabel, coach of the year in in 2022, and now out. Uh, I think Ron Rivera, I mean, let's put it this way. Some of these people, when they were a, uh, a, a coach for, say, defense, they were unbelievable. But not everybody say an offensive coordinator should be a coach or defensive coordinator, be a coach. Uh, it's something I'm going to talk. You know, I'm talking to Tony Dungy and Rodney Harrison. Now, Rodney was, he was just played safety for Belichick. So, Rodney, it's probably going to come up in my questioning. Just give him a little heads up. <laughs> Uh, my favorite stat is in the in the 24 seasons that Bills Bennett, the Patriots, the other all other teams had 231 coaches. <laughs> it just shows Isn't you that thing. something. A lot of rings. Yes. Look, Six we had these people. Pete Carroll only had one Super Bowl win. Yes. Now I, I would say that the question is always, is he nice? And I would always come back and say, who cares? <laughs> Uh, Jim, we briefly got to 47.97, uh, which would be an all-time closing high. We're going to watch that. And get this is on a hot CPI, yeah. an allegedly hot CPI. Look, I continue to believe that the best is yet to come when it comes to the Fed. We want this thing stalled. We don't want a series of rapid rate cuts because then something's wrong. Now, we know from Steve Scher, I mean, the CEO of Hertz, there's nothing wrong other than the fact that a Tesla's really hard to fix when someone rear-ends, gets, yes. gets rear-ended. Yes. Uh, let's get to Bob Bassani, both on the, the markets and the Bitcoin ETFs. Hey, Bob. Well, we finally made it here. Bitcoin ETF is a reality. Here's one of the guys who made it a reality. Dave Laval is the head of ETFs for Grayscale. What did it take, 11 years since the Winklevoss twins? We finally made it. We're really excited to be here today. It was a culmination of a lot of hard work and a commitment to our investors and the strength in our legal arguments that allowed us to get to this regulatory approval here today. And you did win the case against Bitcoin, uh, excuse me, against the SEC. Gary again uh, referenced that yesterday. Let's just see how this is trading right now. So here's Grayscale. Uh, give me your thoughts here, uh, Dave. Look, at, I, I see five and a half million shares. That is very respectable uh, for a start. I want to see the spreads here, what's going on. It, is a, it looks like a seven, eight, nine cent spread. How would you describe that in terms of tightness of trading? Well, look, five and a half million shares of volume just a few minutes into the trading day. We see that it's tracking the price of Bitcoin. We're up about 5%. Uh, two or three cent spread is showing the liquidity that we think a product like uh, GBTC is going to, you know, really you really offer investors. This is a product that has 28 billion in assets. We have over a million investors. We have a 10-year track record, and we're really going to be a source of liquidity for the institutional uh, buyer. Good to see it's trading reasonably tight spreads, but what everybody wants to know after that, we've got 11 companies out there. You're one of them. You're the high man on the totem pole in terms of fees, 1.5%. Bitwise, which is trading right next to you, they're 0.2%. That's a big spread, 1.5% versus 0.2%. they are the lowest ones out there. How are you justifying this fee right now? Look, fee is one consideration when investors are making a decision on an ETF. Remember, GBTC is a premium product that came to market in a differentiated way. 
We have 28 billion in assets. We have a million investors. We have a 10-year track record. And we are going to be something that the marketplace can rely on. What about inflows? A lot of people are making some wild speculations about the kind of money this is going to attract. They're using parallels with the gold ETFs 20 years ago. Is that a fair comparison? How much money overall do you think these ETFs collectively act as a representative of the group uh, will attract in the next few months? Bob, 30 years ago, ETFs innovated with S&P 500 exposure. 20 years ago, ETFs innovated with gold. Today, we're innovating with, with Bitcoin. We're really excited about it. We think this is a validation for the asset class, and the sky's the limit. Finally, just very quickly, institutions, are they going to get more? Is JP Morgan, is UPS, are high-end wealth managers going to start recommending this, or is there still legal concerns? Look, having an ETF in market for Bitcoin is a validation for the asset class, and some of the largest asset managers in the world have stepped into this. We think that the sky is the limit, and we absolutely think that there's going to be inflows for retail investors, the advised market, and institutions alike. Dave, thanks very much. Guys, we're going to be standing here all day watching how these other ETFs trade. The key here is how close do they all trade in the next few days relative to Bitcoin and Bitcoin futures. That's what everybody wants to watch. That's what we'll be watching. Guys, back to you. Bob, thank you. Yeah, Bob's right. That spread's going to be fascinating, right? Yeah, I think people are trying, trying to figure out, one, is it an asset class? And two, if it's an asset class, how much of, the, of a big mutual fund has to own some? And I think that that's going to be more determinant than individuals. Will it be something that they want to own and they now have something that is legit to own it with? Or did it just run up so much that uh, after today we see a peak? And uh, I don't know uh, whether I want to say that if only just because the enthusiasm just seems to know no bounds. Right. Well, every headline is, uh, has a phrase like watershed moments, right? right? Uh, the legitimization of an asset class as yeah. a whole. Well, look, I think that the, when the SEC lost that case, as Bob referenced, that really was the sense of, wow, you know, the federal judiciary is okay with it. Uh, and I do think that uh, there are just too many people who want to dabble. They want to dabble. Uh, as, uh, as we were just saying, S&P did get to an all-time closing high, uh, backed off pretty immediately from 47.98. We're going to watch that. Watch bonds as well. Uh, we got CPI under our belts. We will get Barkin at 12.40 and a 30-year auction today after the 10-year was pretty in line yesterday. Uh, as you can see, 10-year got to about 4.07 or so, backing off a touch but still above 4 uh, with the Dow now down 28. Don't go away. Let's get stopped trading with Jim. Something that hasn't happened since 1999, Carl, when things were really promotional and exciting. Uh, people keep buying something on the same story over and over again. Here's a piece by UBS that I'm looking at. NVIDIA did really well at CES. Well, here it goes. NVIDIA again, all-time high. I mean, that you could re- report on something that everyone knew is rather and, and have the stock go up. It's a little counterintuitive. Uh, let the good times roll. They bon temps roulet. Guess so. Uh, I, yeah, there's at least half a dozen notes on NVIDIA CES just this morning. Well, NVIDIA was crushed it at the healthcare conference. I mean, I, I don't know where, what conference NVIDIA would. I'm sure NVIDIA is going to crush it uh, with the, the, the Chiefs versus the Dolphins, <laughs> yes. right? They've got to be there. Speaking Everywhere of which, else. tell everyone what you're up to tonight right. and this weekend. Okay, so I'm doing my show, right? It, I'm doing Mad Money, and we've got the Beckton Dickens and CEO, Tom Poland. It's great. Then flying to Kansas City. Uh, prepared that my iPhone is going to die because it, it plus five, anything below it, it dies. And then we're doing our show from Kansas City, from the stadium and, and uh, tomorrow night. And then I'll be doing some, I guess, kind of super fan stuff on Saturday, talking with the 
the people who run NBC Sports, and obviously I'm a daily fantasy player. I'm a fan. I have more championships under my belt than anybody. <laughs> I cannot wait to talk about what's really going on and what the fans consider to be most important. The now, fourth quarter. That's when we care. <laughs> yeah, when no one else right. cares, that's, that's right. what we care. Do you have favorites for the postseason? Yeah, can I you do. talk about I, them? I, but you know what? When you have the favorites, when you have Apple versus Microsoft, oh, I'm sorry, when you have San Francisco versus Baltimore, uh, then what can you do? You can try to gin up something, but I can't. Uh, that's who I think is going to be in. Uh, outside chance that the only, only upset uh, underdog that goes somewhere to the Bills. Oh, nice. Yeah, because they're the hot team. Yes. Yeah, talk about momentum. It's What a season it's been. Well, Bill, the Bills, by the way, are meta because Josh Allen. <laughs> under right, under Bill Burke. Yeah, and, and just keep going up and got very hot. And Sean McDermott, I knew him because I knew his father. I mean, from Philadelphia. Uh, it, it, he's a very calm, good guy. <laughs> Um, well, I can't wait. We got we got to get through tonight and tomorrow, and then watch you on Saturday. I can't wait either. Wild card weekend is yeah. the weekend. I mean, it's too bad stamp January because we used to just slam them and watch the games at a bar on the West Side. <laughs> that was what you do. You stay at a West Side bar for eight hours. Uh, Jim, good hour. We'll see you, you tonight. Uh, you. Mad Money, six p.m. Eastern. We're going to keep an eye, of course, on the Bitcoin ETFs now open for trade after that SEC decision. When we come right back. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. Let's say your small business has a problem, like maybe one of your doggy daycare customers had an accident. You might say something like, Doggone it! Hi, Chihuahua! Holy schnauzers! But if you need someone who can actually help, just say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there! And get help filing a claim from your local State Farm agent. For your small business insurance needs, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.